Hey, welcome back to another episode. Uh, I'm Trung from The Shooter's Row, and we're here to talk about the last damn two episodes of The Last Dance, uh, Jordan, Jordan's documentary, or The Chicago Bulls, it depends how you see it. Uh, so we've watched eight hours worth, and we've reviewed uh, the last four weeks of it. So we have all the videos. I'll do a link here to all the videos. And yeah, so I want to welcome our, our I guess, our panel. Uh, the man they call the magic man, uh, but um, I call him D Swizzle. How are you, man? Yeah. I'm just jazzing it up for today, man. Just some <laughs> for the, the, the championship list jazz. Shout out to all those jazz fans out there. Hornetix jersey, or no, nah, mate. This is uh, this is John. Oh, John, the man, point guard, greatest point guard ever. Ooh, big <laughs> uh, you, you just saw my screen, uh, and as RJ, the three-point bomber from the West. What's up? What up, everyone? What's up, boys? So, um, yeah, so we've all watched the the last two episodes of um, the Last Dance, and yeah, it's sad, but it's also it was a the climatic um, end to a great movie that um, I, I'm pretty sure we all enjoyed, and every basketball uh, fan has enjoyed. So let's get, get, get straight into it, all right? So let's start with some of these things are out of order between episodes nine and 10, but you know, I've, I'll put a list together. So the first thing I want to talk about is the flu game. So let's, let's take it back to the room. So I'll, I'll paint the picture. Jordan was uh, apparently uh, hungry. Uh, got the munchies, bro. Got the munchies late at night. What's, he doing late What's he doing up late at night, man? It's Michael Jordan, man. He does what he wants. <laughs> but, but we need to dissect it and talk about it. So, so he was hungry. Apparently, his, his boys, his, his entourage, they had dinner without him. So he, he asked Tim Grover, his trainer, to, to get him some food. Uh, they were on the outskirts of uh, Salt Lake City. So not many things open, no room service. Uh, they found a pizza place. They caught it. The pizza came. Apparently, the pizza came with five guys delivering it, which is suspect. Um, so when Deezus was wearing the jazz uniform, uh, I'm not sure if he's part of that um, fan club. <laughs> so yeah, so, so, so this is the picture we're painting. Um, RJ, uh, I, I want to hand it over to you. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Um, was it a flu game? Was it, uh, was it something else? Well, uh, if you break it down, it's actually not the flu game. It's a poison game because he got food poisoned. Um, with the five guys turning up, I think that was pretty much leaked by the place that they were staying. They probably said, oh, you know, he's staying there, right? Or pretty much the people that were in the shop probably knew that, oh, Tim Grover, isn't that um, Michael Jordan's child? So I think they all picked up on it and, and went together to sort of have a peek. Um, but, but the funny thing is, yeah, he got hungry, then he ate that pizza. But I don't think they, you know, I don't think people will stoop that low to sort of, you know, poison or to sort of um, lace something in, in like the opposing team's food. I mean, gosh, that's, that's really low. But hey, man, the guy had a massive game. What can you say? Goat all the way. He, he delivered flu game, poison game, whatever game you want. The guy delivered. Cool. This is all. Yeah, look, uh, I'm just hungry now thinking about pizza. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's really um, 
what I found interesting about it is his his personal trainer team. Um, he saw that it looked suspect, and yet he still gave him the pizza. Come on, like you're you of all people being his personal trainer. I, I just I just find it a little puzzling. That's all that he would still allow him to do that. If he was hungry, go order another, go order something else. Go. But there was nothing else though. According to them, there wasn't. Sorry? Come on, man. There was nothing else though. Come on, man. Order another pizza. Don't eat that pizza. pizza. 20 minutes, man. Call Domino's. No, but there was nothing else open. (laughs) Yeah, I I call bullshit on the whole story, right? Because... It's a city, right, in America, and and then you got your three guys, and ha- why the hell didn't they go and get the pizza or go go out and get some food, right? You, like like now, if you're in a rural town anywhere in the world, I guess there there'll be like one or two options. Like there wouldn't be just this one option. You call this pizza place and that's it. And the and NBA it. finals are in town. Exactly. Not the main There's town, a though. Lot of people there. Yeah, but it's not the main city. They're it's on the outskirts. They're on the outskirts. They're on the outskirts. Hey, Dex, if they didn't get pizza, they would have to fish for their food. Hey, it's Michael Jordan. I'm sure they could have paid someone to go and source some food. He's got money. I saw those cars he was driving. Oh, yeah. Porsche, Ferrari, Rover. Mate, it's Michael Jordan. If he's hungry, you could, you could go order at a hotel, and I'm sure that they would have brought it to him. But like you pointed out, Jay, he still had a massive game, 44 minutes, 38 points. Um Incredible stuff, really. I mean, he it it was visibly clear he was not a hundred percent, and even at not a hundred percent, he still managed to dominate. That speaks volumes. Um, he willed them to win. That's amazing. And it's it's all part of the legend that is Michael Jordan. You know, everybody now um, is wanting a flu game. I mean, everybody talks about that pivotal moment. That game, uh, that game against Utah, because they uh, fast forward what ten plus years. Dirk Nowitzki had his own flu game against Miami, um, and it seems to be the bar that this elite bar that you've got to be sick and play sick, and to get this status of being, you know, a great, a great player. So yeah, props to him. All part of the legend. True. All the stories, you know. I'm sure it was a, a little embellished uh, in part, and um, but it, it makes for a good story. Yeah, hundred percent. So, so there's a side note on this that um, because everyone ate before Jordan did when the pizza came, Jordan spat all over the pizza. So, so he so so that uh, no one else could get a piece. <laughs> <laughs> just just quickly, what do you guys think of that? Is he psychotic, and uh, does, he, does he play some, some games? It takes me back to high school. <laughs> right. But uh, look, he, Jordan's been known, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, to make shit up so that he can get motivated. I mean, this guy, legit, is, was living in his own world. It, he, it was the Michael Jordan world. And rightly so, rightly or wrongly so, he, he was... He could do what he wanted to do. He wasn't doing anything illegal. Um, and it was just his way of, of thinking. And those closest around him knew that that was Mike being Mike. Everyone's different. 
Um, we all have our little quirks. Um, he's got some strange quirks, but it's just amplified because of his public. Of course, image. I would think so too, yeah. 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 Cool. Let's move along then. So, so during this documentary, I guess, mainly episode nine and 10, uh, the a couple of things that I found really interesting was um, that the superstars always waited for each other outside the stadiums. Like on, on the court, the game will finish and they wouldn't shake hands. And as a, as a spectator, you're like, oh, is that how it is in the NBA? Like no one has respect for each other. They just get off the court. But uh, this, this, this um, documentary showed um, all the superstars waited for each other. Like, like every time uh, the, there was one where uh, Larry Bird was coaching the Pacers, uh, when Jordan was leaving, they, they had a conversation. They had an explicit oh language, <laughs> language to each other. <laughs> and they moved along. And there was another one, Reggie Miller uh, and, and uh, the, jazz, the jazz players. So, um, and then the, the last one actually was um, when Carl Malone actually came on the bus. Like the bus. Yeah. Losing game six. And that was, that was, to me, that was a like, surprise. All these little things, I guess, a lot of these documentaries are really... All of us have seen, right, the highlights and stuff. But these little um, tidbits, all these things at the end, they actually filled in a gap for me. Right? So, so for me, it, it was about um, seeing that there was um, camaraderie, like a brothership with, with all these NBA players. That, that the, the old guys are always saying to these guys, oh, you, you guys are too friendly. You know, like it sounds like the secrets out. These guys were friendly, but not on social media. There's no social media at the time and, and not on camera. So I'll get to you, RJ. Um, what are your thoughts on, I guess, these moments and um, like how did what did it meant for you and and what did you get out of it? Well, to be honest, that part with the with when, when Larry went to Jordan um, to to congratulate him, I have to I rewinded it three times. I, I thought I was seeing things because I was thinking cause Larry Bird didn't say nothing to him, and then Jordan goes, "Yeah, bitch, fuck you," and I'm like, "What?" And I'm like, well, "Hold on, hold on, let me rewind it." I'm like, "What did he say?" I just didn't figure it out. I'm like, these guys are, these guys savage, man. And it's like, okay, the game's done, but he's still savage. It's like, you know, you can work on your golf swing. I'm like, oh, wow. He adds salt to the wound. Okay. And then, yeah, uh, that, like you said, uh, T, uh, you know, Malone going to the bus, you know, graduating for Jordan, even though they were like, you know, the previous incident when they had a fight um, in Indiana, you know, it showed that, yeah, they had, absolute tremendous respect for each other and it sort of made me question of back couple episodes of what we did with the last dance when isaiah didn't shake their hands at all i mean on the court off the court there was nothing so that sort of made me wonder like they really don't like each other or there's really bad blood because these guys i mean rodman got under malone's skin um like i said uh, reggie had a previous fight with with jordan before um you know, but they were just feisty competitors. But at the end of the day, like they'll just shake hands and they're like, you know, what, well, good game, well done. And it just shows that that the you know the respect and the, the sportsmanship exists. And you know, there's no bad blood. It, it is the game, um, and the game's done. So let's just call a truce and and you know, let's have fun and enjoy the summer. So or enjoy the the next stage of the playoffs. Um, yeah, that was just like I said, it was really refreshing when I saw that. I thought, wow, this these sports stars are really like, you know, they, they, they don't talk shit behind their back or they're really, you know, real and they're really respectful toward each other. It's really, really good. Just on that though, I, I did, it's limited, the footage. Uh, what they're showing is the elite superstars of the NBA 
acknowledging other elite players. You don't see like, and and this was focused in as well, like when the Brian Russell folklore story was told by Jordan, um, when um, Carl and John Stockton were talking to Jordan and Brian Russell started talking trash and Jordan said, you better keep your boy in check. This was a rookie talking to the elite. I mean, at that point, it was only the elder statesmen, those who are all NBA, first team, second team, third team, elite players talking you know, to each other because they all knew that they were all that, um, that they're all, all at the pointy end of the player spectrum. There's that respect because they are proven, battle-hardened, proven athletes at that point. But uh, you don't see any, uh, you know, footage of uh, that camaraderie when it comes to elite players and subpar players. If anything, it was the actual opposite. When you had to look at the footage with Scott Burrell and Michael Jordan, mate, there was a big inequality in the relationship there. Uh, but in saying that, I mean, this was all part of pre-social media days. Um, and they were all going to see each other sometime down the road because they were leading competitive teams. They were always going to run into each other. And Absolutely. at that point, all roads had to go through Chicago. So there was always going to be that, um, that competition and that interaction with Michael if they were good enough to get to that point. Yeah, to talk about the uh, equality of the NBA, um, you know, we touched on it when Steve Kerr had the fight with Jordan uh, and Jordan had to reach out to get his number. <laughs> he actually didn't know his number and that's his own teammate. So, so, so you look at the equality, I think it happens on your team and everyone else's team, right? Yeah. Like if, we, if, we, if we look at today's, I'm pretty sure LeBron follows his whole, all his teammates on his team and old teammates um, so they can reach out multiple ways, right? So, yeah, so equality is definitely there in, in, back in the 80s and 90s. But you didn't see uh, players yep. on, their, on their phones all the time. It were, they were talking to each other. That was the thing. Like, the footage always showed players talking to each other. Not, you, didn't, you rarely saw Jordan on, the, on a mobile phone. Um, and it just goes to show the, um, the connection, the, the more personal connection that players had. Because it's easy enough for now for players to reach out and contact each other because yeah, yeah. of a mobile phone. And Absolutely. And, yeah. um, and a lot of the footage we see on, on the players now is them scrolling through their phones. You know? Instagram or Facebook yeah. or something, man. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah, and... Even at halftime in games in the locker room, you basically have players um, just posting or tweeting <laughs> during halftime of the game. So yeah, it's, it's a massive uh, change from what we had before. Yeah. All uh, right, let's move on. Let's move on to, let's start, let's talk about uh, Rodman. All right, so the, the picture is where, you imagine you're on the NBA finals and, and it's uh, between, I think it was between game uh, two and three uh, and Rodman disappears. He ditches training. And he shows up on your TV in West Romania, <laughs> wrestling. Hulk, uh, was, it, was it Hulk Hogan? That's right. Uh, what are your thoughts, Steve? I'll come back to you. Oh, mate, Rodman's Rodman, man. I just he what wasn't he preparing for his next his next phase in life? This was this was just transitioning in. Um, I think Jordan put it best, like when they were in the team huddle afterwards, and Phil's giving you Rodman a bit of a 
uh, whipping. Uh, and Mike was just talking about how good the money was anyway. It made it worthwhile because the money was that good for Rodman <laughs> to, to make this cameo appearance. I mean, it was, uh, what have I got here? It was in the middle of three and uh, I think it was between three and four. After game three, he left. He went straight to Detroit. Yeah, three, four, sorry. Yeah. Between three and yeah. four. But they won game four with Rodman playing exceptionally well. It's just <laughs> incredible. Like, just to just to go for his little holiday, but his vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to the episode, what we spoke about previously, like like we said before, you know, they knew that he would bring 100% to the table all the time. So what happens outside of that is, you know, it just disregard it because it's just for him to sort of, you know, relax and to sort of, you know, calm himself down. And once he comes back to the court, there you go. I'll help you. I'll help you win. It wasn't right what he did because they're in of the course, yeah. NBA finals. He misses a practice before a game. Practice? Practice? We're talking about practice? <laughs> but still in the middle of the NBA finals. That's, that's some pretty messed up priorities as a professional athlete. Yeah, because there's, there's also press, right? Like with, with every NBA player and team, there's you have to give time to the press to able to um, make articles, I guess, and, and generate the income that the NBA um, brings in. So he's not just playing, he's like um, media availability. So you see yeah, him sneaking that, away? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just move on to the next one. So just on that, just on Rodman, did you guys see the footage where Rodman finishes the game? He, he jumps on a bike without a helmet and he's drinking a beer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe the, that. Uh, I guess it's, it's in the past, but I can't believe the NBA actually let let them shoot that because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just it's just showing a bad example, right? Of, of I guess like raw it's players. raw footage. <laughs> but it was also public. Like he was riding through a big cra- like. It's not like he was being hidden. Yeah. He was out in the was open. Openly. Yeah. Yeah, the open. Not a care in the world. <laughs> no helmet needed, uh, sunglasses on, and a beverage. <laughs> to make sure. Pivotal, pivotal role in the Bulls 3 P. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, he played an important role. I don't know if they would have won with, without each of these players. You know, even the role players have a certain um, importance because they, the star players need time to rest. Yes. And the bench also plays its role. I mean, deep bench means greater success. You know? And no, that's carried through, through even modern, especially during modern times. You know, you got, a, you got a good bench, and if the bench can outscore the other team's bench during those key moments, um, it certainly puts the game into a different uh, competitive edge for the team that's playing better. That's got the better bench, yeah. Cool. So, also in the last two episodes, we this is probably the most NBA, I guess, game time we've seen. Like, focus on the just the game itself. So let's let's go to game six of the '98 series, and and Pippen Pippen's uh, report is like his back is hurting and and he, he can't play. Like it, it was surreal to see Pippen actually getting a massage 
and it coming up on the TV. At the same time, he was uh, he was going through his procedure of getting his back uh, warmed up. So he's the first play. He, he posts up. He gets he gets fronted. They swing the pass. He gets the boy dunks. And he, you see when he lands, like he, his face was like my back is gone. Like he jarred it. Like coming from a person that has some some back issues back in my my playing days or early early in the days. Um, once you you jar your back, it's literally there's nothing you can do to actually warm it up again. Like you, you have to go to, to the back and get massage for, for a, 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 like an amount of time before it actually warms up and loosens up again. Uh, mm. Thoughts, this was a- uh, It was pretty courageous, uh, him going out there. Still played a pivotal role. Even He said it himself. He was a decoy the whole game. Uh, he's still a threat. Still has a nice jump hook. He still landed that jump hook in the middle of the lane. Uh, look, uh, I think the importance was it concentrated some of the attention away from Jordan, if but for just a little, a little of that attention. And that sometimes goes, you know, a very long way. But Jordan himself said it, you know, Pip was hurt. I had to take all the shots and bring all the energy because of how limited uh, after that, you know, after their second best player is, how limited the team was going to score um, on the offensive end uh, and their capability to do so because who's their third best player? Rodman? Rodman's not much of an offensive weapon. Um, probably their third best scorer would have been Kukoc, really, in my view. Um, so he, Pippen being out there, I think, played a, a, a key role, if not psychological role for Jordan, knowing that, he had a superstar still on the court with him. Man down. Utah should have, should have uh, took advantage of the whole situation. I think, um, I don't think they sort of looked at it that way. I think they sort of just played it as, well, you know, we still have to sort of uh, play Jordan, but we sort of play everyone as normal. But I don't think Utah utilized that situation um, to their advantage. Um, if they, if they took advantage of that, I reckon the, the results would have been different. Um, he had a lot of grit, definitely. The guy played with an ailing back, with the strategic of playing five, warming up five, then coming back for five. So, you know, you can tell it was really strategic and he got shots done too. Um, so they, they did the best they can and they did, they, again, Jordan willed them to win. And again, part of the goat argument, you can't argue. Seriously, unbelievable. I mean, I just watching that Utah, both series, both final series, and I was just, part of me was just cringing knowing that they had their chances. Yeah, yeah. To win. And it wasn't, you know, but just using that that last example, Scotty being hurt, game six, they would have taken full advantage of that if they were Absolutely. killers. They still had home court advantage for game seven. And, you know, game seven, Pippen might not have been well enough also for a game seven. History could have been written totally differently if Utah were more, were, were more killers than what they eventually ended up to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Let's let's take it back one game to game seven. So the Bulls are playing the Pacers. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember this game. I want to bring up uh, Steve Kerr's heart, right? So, so the game's 
his game's back and forth. There's there's literally nothing in it. Uh, the Bulls are what down by I think uh, they're down by four, four or three. Uh, there there's a jump ball. So so Jordan it was Jordan versus versus Rick Smith seven four versus six six. Uh, Rick Smith wins the, the the jump ball, but the ball gets straight to Pippen. Pippen kicks it out to Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr takes a three and he buries it. You know, that that to me that's all heart. What what are your thoughts on that, RJ? I will I will have to say that since that incident with Jordan, um, Steve Kerr sort of took a, a different mind state. Um, and it sort of played an important part with, with that particular game. Um, and everyone knew that the gravity of, of the shots that are coming from there. And you know what? That actually started the momentum from, from them. Um, with, starting with that shot, then I think it was shot after that, of the Scotties uh, two. Uh, and that's what sort of led them to, this, to the victory. So uh, he was really uh, pivotal um, in that series, especially, and with that shot. Um, that it started the juggernaut for them to win Game Seven, and he really, really, um, you know, stepped stepped up uh, with his with his role with the team. Yeah, because with um, the, because when Reggie Miller was in, interviewed, like he, he pretty much uh, narrated that that was the start of the downfall of the Pacers. The Pacers were out four, like I think four points at that time, and if they won that jump ball and got possession, and actually scored, they would be up by six with a couple of minutes left. So. Massive, massive play. Your, D-Swizzle, your thoughts on that? Uh, the game's about momentum because part of it's psychological. You know, when things aren't going right, the shots aren't falling. It's uh, protecting a lead. When you get into the, the, the... This is from my playing days. When you get into the mind frame of trying to protect the lead, you become conservative and you don't become aggressive when you're on the court. And that's... Yeah. When, things sort of start to unravel for you. Um, and, you know, at that point when momentum's not going your way and, and the, the swing of, of the momentum was going through, in this point, um, Chicago's way, it's hard to stop that. Um, it's hard to stop that momentum. And that's why timeouts are there for a reason. Yeah? Timeouts are there to, to stop momentum being built by one team. Um, I mean... What could have been, right? What could have been if the Pacers made the final against the Jazz? What could have been if, you know, that game seven would have been the only, uh, you know, uh, the way that Jordan would have gone out in their last dance year? What if, really? What if? He touched on it. But when he said that, Reggie said that when that shot went in, I think think they lost it from there because I think he got disheartened. See, that's where, the, that's where the mental part of it plays in because, yeah, the, the shot goes in, but you shouldn't be disheartened. I think when he said that, I think it's, it set the time for the rest of the team. And there pretty was much it was been. Left. Huh? There's still five minutes left in the game. No? Exactly, exactly. But what's when he's, exactly. That's why what, he didn't hit a shot. You go, okay, that's my next position. But he goes, oh, when Steve hit that shot, uh, I think that's where it started. I'm like, mentally, you're gone. Like, you started to deteriorate. You should have just kept on going because... And plus, but I don't blame you. You're in Chicago, um, you know, and one of the best shooters hit it. So I can understand. Yeah, because you have your Hall of Famer. So the, the Pacers had Reggie Miller. That's their Hall of Fame. That's their leader. And, and, and if he had that mentality that, um, that the game is over, then 
you, you can see it. Like, you know, when you play with uh, a great player on your team, if the best player gives up and there's five minutes left, then th- there's a cascade effect. Everyone starts feeling it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's, I believe in that. That's where we see, the, I guess, the, the greatness of Jordan too. Like, Mike, like, he, he had the ability to stay in the moment. Like, it doesn't matter what, what the situation was. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what situation. He just stayed in the moment. Like, in, in game seven, the Bulls started um, really bad like, during that game. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they struggled, I think, 17-8 to, 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 to come out to the first quarter. Uh, and, but Jordan, when I see highlights of him playing, I, I don't see him berating his teammates during the game. Like, he does talk to them. But in his head, it's happened. It's happened. And he's moving on to the next play. He's moving on to yeah. the next play. Doesn't uh, get shaken. Doesn't get shaken. Like, like, he, like he, I think it, it goes back to where Jordan always says he makes training harder. So when it comes to the games, the games are easy, right? Absolutely. So, Absolutely. So, so you go back to the footage of like the first, first four episodes and Jordan training, he's like playing like he's more intensity than the, the, the finals. Like, and then when he's doing the finals, he's like chilling. Like before the game, he's just he's just relaxed, and you know he's just taking it easy with all his teammates, he's joking around, and and and, and um, yeah, just just been um, just been that fun guy, right? About <laughs> training, he's so serious. Uh, let's let's segue into the next topic. So I wanted to I wanted to add this this other one where let's talk about the the two big shots and uh, and if they were fouls, right? So the first one I want to talk about. We were talking oh. about Reggie Miller, right? Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller coming off the pick. Oh, yeah, he comes off the pick. He full shoves Jordan, <laughs> and then he takes a shot and he hits it. All right, that's the first one. And the second one is um, Michael Jordan's shot for for the game six winning in Salt Lake no. six, six championship. No. No. All right, so okay, RJ, so you you be vocal here, so I'll start with you. <laughs> okay, so with Reggie's one. Skinny guy would have had to use half of his energy to push Jordan off. Without a doubt, it's a shove. It's a shove. He had admitted, he goes, a little, he slightly, he shoved him. Okay, he shoved him. He said that the refs weren't going to determine the game from a push. He's going to let the refs play it out. So that's fine. With Jordan's thing, you can tell, I've, I've watched this last play from five different angles. Okay. Look, I understand that I'm kindly biased, but it's not because of that. I'll tell you how it is. So, because of the momentum, and like, like Jordan said, Byron Russell plays on his toes. And because he knew that he, he looked like he beat him already, and that's why he was trying to run him over, like trying to sort of stop him and slow him down. And then when he crossed him, that's when he sort of tripped because he lost his momentum. He was on the ball of, balls of his feet. But the left hand didn't have nothing to do with it. That was just part of movement. But it, it, you cannot move someone from, you know, he's a strong man, I understand. But that it was not a shove, and that, that did not cause for him to slip. That was Baron Russell's shoes or his momentum. And he, he got free, and he, he nailed it. Held the gooseneck. One. W. Good night. Swizzle, tell me, tell me about it, man. I know in the last, I know in the last podcast I was screaming, foul, foul. <laughs> uh, but I was, that was more for theatrics. Uh, for both plays, no foul for both plays for me. Clean as both of them. Ref didn't call it. Ooh. I'm with the refs on this one. No foul. Separation. Done. They didn't call it. I'm, I'm happy with Reggie's. Uh, I'm happy with Reggie's separation. Uh, they could have called it. They didn't. It was right there in front of them. They didn't but, call but, it. but let me tell you something. If you if you were Jordan. Yep. And that and that shot went. What would you say? I would say 
Nice shot, Reggie. No, no, come on, man. Come on. You sure about that? No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with making, making the decision that it was no foul for both. I think they were very good shots for both of them. Um, separation. Look, in my view, I mean, Jordan could, be, could have been called for the foul. He was in the way too. They were both running into each other. All right? So it could have gone either way. T, well, well, what's your thing, man? Okay, being, being the registered referee on this panel <laughs> and hear, hearing both your sides. So, so from the referee's point of view, I think it's, uh, you can call a foul on both of them. But the, but the issue with the Brian Russell one was uh, there, was no, uh, there was no weight on, on, on his push. He was touching him already. Jordan was already touching him when he was dribbling. So, and, and the defense did nothing wrong. So it's not an offensive foul or it's not a defensive foul. Uh, there was no one placed at a di- um, disadvantage. All right, so, so and, and that's my ruling too, if, if I was to referee that game. Uh, with the Reggie Miller one, it's, it's, I think it's a 50-50 call because Jordan didn't fall. If that shove happened and then Jordan actually flopped or he fell, then, then it would have been put more pressure on the referees to actually make that call. Or, you know, so because he didn't fall and, and being, being it was Jordan and... And uh, sometimes the NBA, I think, um, looks for to, to extend series to make, to make more money. <laughs> and Reggie Miller hitting that game. Remember, the NBA is about entertainment. And, and there was no storybook ending like Reggie Miller hitting a shot over Jordan after all those years of torture, right? The Pacers had the hands of uh, at the greatest, MJ. And, and he basically made the storyline of going into uh, game seven. So, so I'm, I'm pretty sure the referees had a chat about it before. They don't want to officially say it on paper, but they're saying, let the game decide itself. You know, we, we've seen in the last couple of years where the, the games have been decided by, by a late call. And, 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 and free throws. And free throws, right? Yeah. And Luckily, Tim Donny is not there then. <laughs> That's another story. <laughs> so, 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 so with that, right, um, I think in the 80s or in the 90s at the time, uh, they, they don't want the players to basically decide the game. And, and, and I'll live with both calls they made. So it, it actually made history, um, I guess, more juicy. You know, you know, game seven was something that I watched as a, as a teenager. And, and I was at the edge of my seat. I'm like, damn, like, Jordan's going to lose. Like, there's a possibility they could lose. So did you guys watch the game live when, when, when you guys were young? That game? No, not not the not the Pacers game. Not the Pacers game, no. Nah. Okay. Cool, cool. I think I, I watched the video. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to the next topic. So I wanted to talk about uh, um, the shot of seven. So the Bulls have won six titles. Jordan had the gooseneck pushed by Russell off, no foul, and they win their sixth title. Uh, so they they celebrate. Everyone's happy, and then. The next day, uh, the owner, uh, the owner Jerry calls Phil and says, "Look, uh, if you want to come back, come back." But this is this is when they had the statement at the beginning of the season: "If you get 82 and zero, you're gone." So, so I'll, I'll get to you guys. Um, did uh, management take the chance of seven titles away? I'll start with you, RJ. This is the after won this part three times. I just, I'm in this belief when said there was no dialogue about this. I just don't understand. 
it just tells you management, players, coaches, weren't on the same page. I mean, I think they were right. I think Phil already called it as his last uh, year, not really the team's. I think he already made up his mind. Um, but in terms of the whole scenario with Jerry Krause, Reinsdorf, um, Jordan Jackson, um, it's it's very there's a lot of grey which really I doesn't piece together. Um, for, for the star players to say there was no dialogue about it, even though the tone has been set by the general manager, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, they should have at least sat and talked about it, and you know, a ton of took me. It's sort of you know when he when they said they all sat together and in that fire and they write something really important to say about the team or the players, and Jordan even wrote a poem about it. I thought, okay, that's great, um, but you know, what about next year? What about you know, looking ahead? Like, I just didn't understand why they didn't sort of you know get together and just talk about it for one last time. I mean, organizations right now in the NBA don't like when players make their own decisions because now the players have the power, you know. And but then, like, if you have Jordan on your team, he would have the power. I mean, he he can say it, he can determine it. But I just don't understand like why Jackson and Reinsdorf and Jordan had like a, a complete sit down. I mean, not just Jackson and Reinsdorf. Jordan should be in that conversation, so that at least we can, you know, because they even said that in that re they were going to rebuild. And you saw Jordan says when they said rebuild, he was like, "I don't have a couple of years. I want it now. The next three years is it now. Not a couple of years, but next couple of years, they're not going to have that team." You know, and, and they're going to have what, other players and, you know, that's towards the end. So I, I want your feedback and we're going to go back and forth with this because I really didn't, I just, I don't know, it was so great for me. This was a... I, um, I, I think, I think you're right in the sense that Phil made the call early and when you are setting your, your plan um, to have an end point, and achieving the the ultimate goal, which is the NBA championship at the end of it. Um, I think that was fulfilled the relief that the just it justified, you know, the the trials and tribulations of the season, the the preseason, you know, drama that it would be his final year, him making a call that it would be the last dance. Um, I think in part, I think you are right that Phil had it in his mind that this was it. I mean, he, when they interviewed him, they, he even candidly said, look, we had a good run. It was good while it was there. Um, and it was, it was time to move on. And, and the, I think they were all rigid in their ways. Phil was rigid that it was going to, that was it. Even though maybe they had the discussion with Reinsdorf. Uh, maybe he did have that discussion afterwards the next day to go one more season. Um, but in his mind, that is Phil's mind, that was, that was done. He was rigid that that was going to be the end. Jordan was rigid for, all, for stating he would only play for Phil Jackson. That was, right. that was what made him immovable because he could have played another year. If Jordan would have said, I'm, I'm, I'm at my peak, I can still hit, I can still hit jumpers. Um, and he was. He was still the best player at that point in the league. 
if he would have said, I'll go around again, I'm sure, like, I'm sure Scotty would have stuck around. I'm sure that um, Jordan would have done everything to keep Steve Kerr from um, moving on to the Spurs, who happened to have won that championship that year. Well, Pete, Steve Kerr. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the role players in the team that had moved on, maybe Rodman could have stayed, maybe not. Oh, he's probably more of the loose cannon that would have, that would have left. But, if, I mean, if Jordan would have wanted to play for a different coach, I think the door would have still been open. Yeah, I think they um, they actually um, hired I think uh, Tim Tim Floyd or something. So, yeah, college coach. Yeah, college coach, and he was really a close friend of um, uh, what's called the Jerry, the GM Jerry. And so I don't think I think Jordan wanted to play for one of his boys. Yeah, I mean I'm sure that was a big factor as well because yeah. And then it, the separation of powers here, right? Like the, this is where I've got issues with, you know, general managers also being the coach of a team, like the Doc Rivers role. I, I find it it's too conflicting when you're you're holding that much, you know, that holding that much power for a team, um, and all this power invested in one person. Um, I've got issues with that when they they hand off those dual hat roles. And similarly to this situation with Krauss, um, when you're having a coach there who'll be what his puppet to uh, to tell just to dictate what Krauss wants, I think there's issues with that too. I mean, a coach is there to independently provide a service. Hmm. There was two statements that threw me off when 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 last night was played out. First statement was when he when Ronsdorf said their values have gone up. I don't think we can pay them. He's just a tight ass. He doesn't want to pay them. He, you're the owner of the team. All right. You can pay them. They've won a championship. I'm sure you would have got all your money back. And second of all, when, when, when Jackson said, um, oh, I think it's best for me to leave. It wouldn't be fair to Jerry Krause. Dude, like, <laughs> it, it's, it's the owner that you have to really, you know, you have to bypass the manager and go straight to the owner. It wouldn't be fair, dude. You you've won. So for me, I think that's an excuse. I think he really decided the the fate as well. Jason Krause, the the most pivotal or most um, awestruck statement in the whole episode um, for me was when Scotty called Krause the greatest GM. Did you guys pick up on that? I thought that was like what? Yeah, what? I thought. Yeah, I was just like what? What? Yeah. <laughs> Did I hear that right? Is Scotty taking the piss? What's going on here? Is that reflection? Is that just like old age, just like beaming down at him, thinking about what the role was? Because, you know, they had a lot of beef. Oh, I think I know why. He was the one with the beef. He he wanted a pay rise the following year. Yeah. I just found that interesting. Anyway, that, that was my one interesting, most interesting point in the whole. Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, I, now that you recall of it, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think my views on the the whole thing was the Bulls sold out for three years after they won the last championship. So, so the owner had a choice to okay share the profits, pay Pippen what he's worth, and start playing all these plays. I guess one year contracts, whatever it is. But um, he, he didn't he didn't uh, try that hard. He's just like Phil, do you want to come back? Phil's like, yeah, uh, it's not for the GM, and he left. And then Ryan Stoff said, okay, cool. Rebuild like they. I felt that he had a really casual 
um, view on it. Like he wasn't desperate. Like if he if he was desperate, he would open a blank check and get all those players in, right? You, you think about every team that's won the championship. You look at the Celtics, you look at the Lakers, you look at um, you look at all the teams, like especially there's one team that um, I want to talk about was the, the Heat, right? When the Heat won it with Olshak and young Dane Wade. That team was not a championship team. Like they, they got lucky because of Dwayne Wade in, in Dallas. He carried them on. He just was just on a streak and uh, the referees were on his side. Um, and, and, that, and when they brought back that team, I think uh, Riley knew that um, they weren't going to win. But his, he, his comments were, uh, because they won, I have to bring this team back again. Like, and he brought back uh, a majority of those players, 90% of those players, right? So in that instance, that team were a championship and they brought him back. But he, even, if, even if he he didn't believe in them, well, you have a team that was a dynasty. Like you won six championships in eight years. You have the best player in the world. And, and you didn't do everything you want, uh, anything, everything your power to bring back the team. Like it's just, it, to me, it's astonishing. Like today, you think that, let's just look at um, the, the Warriors. If you, because um, what's that? Curry is, is 31. Imagine him and Steve Kerr goes, okay, cool. I don't want to play anymore. Because, um, yeah, like, you know, they'll just walk away. Like, you, Bob Myers would do everything and the ownership would do everything to make him stay, right? That's right. And, 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 and done that already. They've, in my view, they've overpaid Draymond Green. He is not worth the contract extension. 100 million. Um, given his, his injury history, and they paid him because, your point exactly, they've won, they deserve the right to play on um, for the team, which uh, I'm, I'm a little dumbstruck about that, to be honest. But He's been doing well with his triple singles, that's why. <laughs> Show that to Buckley. But I suppose with Draymond, his his analytics are the the intent. You know, he's the glue guy. He's doing yeah. the, he's doing all the dirty crap on the on the court. All the things that can't be measured um, on a statistical point of view. So mm. I, look, if you've got that window, I, I'm with you here, Tay. If you've got that window. Even if it's a one-year deal, and Jordan was signed, like he said himself, he was signing one-year deals. You know, he was already used to it. He was already signing one-year deals before that, anyway. I'm sure everyone would have come back on a one-year deal. Scotty, oh, who knows? Scotty would have been. Scotty would have been talked to if he if he got paid. If he got paid like at least twenty mil for that one year, I, I'm pretty he sure he would have. He would have. Uh, would have come back. It only it would have only taken Jordan a conversation with Jordan. That's all I reckon it would have taken for Scotty. One year, give me one year. Yeah. And then, you know, look after yourself. Don't get hurt, obviously, because that'll mm. really mess up your, um, your value and sign a big deal. Yeah, but yeah I'm with you there, too. And then, team. And, and, then, and then if Jordan really want to bring the team back, then he's on, he's on 32 mil a year, right? And then Jordan be like, okay, cool, I'll take 25. So, so then you know, they divvy up the money. Like you've seen superstars in this day and age take take less money to get to get their to get the. I don't board. think he's oh, like that, dude. Like <laughs> I don't think he's like that, dude. That guy will take the highest value. <laughs> but 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 Jordan was underpaid too. So those those final years where he got paid that much, it was like a makeup. Even the owner said it. The owner said, "I'm, I'm going to pay him because that's how much he's worth, right?" That's right. The owner said, "Contradiction." <laughs> Yeah. So he signs all these his, his players to like small deals, and he's like, "Sure, I pay him. I pay him when he plays baseball." 
<laughs> I'll pay more in this final years. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, we see entourages, right? We see uh, LeBron James hanging around with um, young players, like the guys that he grew up with. Um, and, and you see like um, Kobe or you see Dwayne Wade, they all have the entourage, which is usually their own guys, they party with, they drink with. I found that it was quite interesting that uh, Jordan's entourage was actually older, like the guys that could have been his dad and, and, and his security guards, the guys that took care of him. Like from the beginning, his best friend, um, his best friend came to the airport to, to pick up someone else. But, and then Jordan's driver didn't come. So then once he, he, he entered Jordan's orbit, he just stayed with him. He kept him his best friend. Um, and then we, we talk about his, his security guards, the guys that were from uh, the, the Chicago Center. And then he, he liked them so much that they, he, they become his entourage. Like he, he hired all these guys to become his bodyguards. Um, I, and, and the way he talked about it was he wanted guys with wisdom. So then it would help him in his path. Like he didn't, he didn't need people that would hang on to him. He needed people that would help him on his journey. So, so Jordan had this mindset that, that, that he was on this journey to be the best player and, and he surrounded himself with knowledge. Your thoughts on that, Dissuzo? I think that was a good move. He's done all right with himself. He ain't broke. Um, I think you, you, you watch some shows. I, I, sometimes I watch the, these shows about millionaire superstar players who are dirt poor now because they've... Uh, they had too many in their entourage hanging on to them. I mean, I think even our boy AI had issues with this. People were mooching off. Hey, him. man, that's a whole different entourage altogether, bro. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just the, the character of Alan Iverson to still be of relevance to, you know, uh, modern-day basketball. He is such an icon that he can still pull off endorsements. Um, I think it was a very good move for Jordan to to keep it close, um, and he treat and, and and it's reciprocal, right? Um, there were stories that were told that Jordan was there for in times of need for these people, as well. And I thought that was that was really something. Um, just because you're a superstar, he was still he was still human. He's still compassionate. He was there when um, Gus Lett had uh, his his issues with with. Um, cancer and he was there to be supportive for Gus and his wife and I thought that was a that showed real real character and uh, um, you know it, it just it, it's it it's reflective of his upbringing isn't it family close ties um, discipline yeah Jake I think with that, he said it himself. He, he surrounded those guys pretty much. I think is a closest thing I could say is probably a fill-in for his father. So he he lost his father, and he he thought as Gus as a as like a sort of like a backup to his father, and he saw him like as a father, and and that's where the wisdom comes from. I'm sure he didn't want people to like his age where you know played ball game, played ball as well. I mean. Oakley was close to him, but it wasn't as like, you know, like his tail. So that would be conflict of interest for me, uh, the way I see it. But yeah, he got the old guys to get wisdom and to sort of get the maturity that he needed and the guidance that he that he needed. I'm, I'm sure those guys didn't really have anything, um, what really yes man to Jordan. They were like, you know, we'll tell you what we need to tell you because, you know, that's our job. I mean, we 
initially you hired us to, to protect you, but we can also guide you. And I think that's why he hired those guys, you know, because of their their age and, and their experience in life. So he he hired well. He, he got those guys and, and, and helped him. And there you go, the maturity came through. He needs more help now, though, because, you know, Charlotte Hornets are struggling. He needs better... He needs better people to mentor him in being a GM. Yeah, man. I know. Look, he'll get there. He will get there. But it's just going to be take a bit of time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Charlotte isn't really an attractive place to be. I, I think, especially North Carolina. North Carolina is a bit. You know, it's it's a bit not not an attractive site. It's not like LA. It's New, like New York. I mean, not. Just going to provide people who like you know the woods and countryside, mate. True, true. Uh, Carmelo won't take that job though. So, um, um, yeah. So he did a good job. Tate. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, my thoughts on that was he on the outset, right? It's on the outset he he wanted to be the best player, and and he knew he couldn't go out with like with his teammates. His popularity was so big that he spent most of his time in his room. Mm-hmm. Like just spending time with older guys and myself, like they have a lot of stories. And, and, and there's a lot of time to be, I guess, there's time in between games where he can't go out. He's, he's literally stuck in his room. And, and I guess like, getting wisdom from, from older guys is, is definitely something that is, um, is valued for, for him anyway. Like he, he, he needed all these, um, I guess, stories to, to get him by. And also he, he used the relevance on the court. Like when you're, you're stuck in a situation, what do you do? You know, you lead by example. Like all these, all these slogans, all these, all these, um, um, yeah, all, all these slogans and all these mottos and stuff. Like it comes from somewhere, right? It comes from wisdom. It comes from wisdom, and I think that uh, he, his entourage uh, made him feel protected because they were his bodyguards, and um, yeah, they, 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 I'm passing a lot of knowledge of all these years. You know, not not just basketball, just just in life in general. So. Yeah, so let's let's just move on to I guess the the last topic, right? The last question I have for both of you was, so so Jordan's game grew, right? So we all know how how successful he was on and off the court. But um, what did it mean to both of you? So I'll, I'll start first. What it meant to me was Jordan bought the the bold headedness. He bought the baggy shorts. Uh, he bought swag. He bought um, he he made. Um, uh, hip hop, nineties uh, and eighties, cool. He's still listening to it. He had the bit behind the uh, behind the hat, um, uh, Kanga, Kanga Bure. Like he 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 basically made the game. I think when before he started, the NBA was in like maybe seventy seven countries, you know? and 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 by the time he ended, it was in two hundred and about two hundred fifty four. Like he he changed the game for like for me. I didn't know about the NBA. I knew about Jordan, and then I knew about the NBA. And it reached us all the way from a Vietnamese kid that was immigrant in Australia. Like this is how I know of the NBA through through Jordan. I did, and then from Jordan, then I knew about all the other superstars, and and I knew about the New York Knicks, you know. And and then and they're still stuck from. <laughs> so so yeah so so all these all, all these things came from from Jordan. Like um, and 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 he he, he such it's his game. Uh, I guess touched. Um, it touched me in a way where I wanted to be like him and I wanted to start watching more NBA you know, and, and understand what the NBA was. And, and just, 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 just wearing baggy shorts, you know, and wearing the, the, the Jordans on, on the playground. Like you, you felt that you, you were like him in like for that, for, for, for that session of basketball. Like you, you felt that, okay, cool. I've got Jordan uh, baggy shorts on. I've shaved my head. I've, I've, um, I've got Jordan shoes on. Shit. Let's go. <laughs> 
Your thoughts, Steve Sizzle? Uh, just going to use the words of Barack Obama when he talked about how Jordan changed the basketball culture. You know, um, we all talk about, you know, when we were in teams and playing ball, it was always made uh, known to us that no one player was the team. Uh, he would be pretty much the closest thing to the exception to the rule, wouldn't he? I mean, he was basketball. It wasn't just he was Chicago Bulls. He was, and he wasn't just, you know, the NBA. He was, he was basketball. When you affiliate one, you know, basketball with, with something, for most people, I would presume it's, it's Michael Jordan. Um, it's just that status that he has. Uh, what's, I suppose, what's interesting for me is, we we recently did compile the top ten favorites list, um, and when I went through mine, I was surprised that I left him off my top ten. You believe? Um, oh, blasphemy! Yeah, well, I mean, subjectively, favorites. Um, it, it was you know my favorite players. Uh, it, it's just interesting. I'm, now I'm reflecting on it. I'm not going to change my list. Oh, um, got worse. <laughs> but in terms of naming who the best player was for me, that's a no, that for me that's a no-brainer. That's it's Michael Jordan. But Jordan is more than a player. He's he's a brand. He's a he's a corporation. He's a culture in himself. When you think about who he is today, hasn't played for nearly two decades, but still. People know him. Um, millennials know who he is, not just by, you know, the shoes that they're wearing on their feet, but also, um, you know, the highlights that are still being shown of the greatest player on that's ever played. So for me, Jordan is basketball. Jay? Want to be like Mike. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my gosh, this guy, oh man, it was, it was everything. This guy, this guy was pop culture. This guy was global icon. This guy made me want to stick my tongue out and shoot the same form of jump shot back in high school. Um, couldn't afford his shoes when I was smaller. That's why I buy a lot now. Um, but man, this guy was everything. I mean, baggy shorts look cooler back then. If you had short shorts, I put them all the way down. Yeah, it's, some, some things are showing, but you know what? They were baggy when you were lower. Um, but man, he was it. He's, he was the one, he was the example to be. So mom and tell us what, you know, when, when we play for school decks, you know, it was like, man, be like Jordan. So, you know, shoot like Jordan, d defend like Jordan. That's like, Jordan was it. He was it, you know? Um, so, and I still buy Jordan brand now because I've, I've never forgotten his highlights and, and what he's done to the game. He's promoted it globally. And when the NBA needed it, um, man, he gave it. And the NBA should really pay Jordan, to be honest, because he made them what they are today. Um, I mean, I wanted to drink Gatorade too. I bought Gatorade. So I can't, I can't say enough about Jordan. He was it. My, my, look at my room. This is my old room. I still got my Jordan jerseys up. How they go? And I just shrugged, so... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely an icon. Definitely an icon. So the last um, 
any more comments, guys, on on the whole uh, the whole documentary as a whole, or anything you you guys want to talk about? Well, I just uh, it came out a its release on Netflix here in Australia has come out at I suppose an opportune time um, with more people being at home, um, and it's it's gone beyond in terms of its talk. It's the the generating. Um, the 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 talk about basketball and the talk about the Bulls. It's just been interesting that people who never followed NBA, never followed the Chicago Bulls of the nineties, never followed Michael Jordan, have gotten great glimpses um, and a number of glimpses now for five weeks about the player he was and the person he was first and foremost. You know, and I. I it, this documentary coming out now, uh, I think it's it's been needed for some people just to take their mind off the serious the serious things that are going around in the world. And I thought, you know, it, it's been a uh, a really good uh, a really good product to um, to to take your mind off things and to make you feel more relaxed and get you excited about the game that's been suspended, the real game that's been suspended and knowing that there is something to, it was, for me, it was, it was something to look forward to next week. What's coming up? You know, what's, what's coming yeah. up? Yeah. Um, it's rare now in the age of Netflix and having the whole series released at the same time where here they, they release two episodes a week. And you had to wait, like back in the day, back in the 90s, where you'd watch commercial television and you'd have to wait the following week for the next episode. You know, you had to wait a whole week. And I thought that feeling, it's so retro. It that, is. You know, having to wait another week about what the next installment was. And I thought that was, I thought that was really enjoyable, to be honest, instead of binging it for 10 hours. Just, it was a great move, actually. Yeah, yeah. Great series all up. Uh, if uh, any of our listeners and viewers uh, haven't seen it yet, highly recommend it. I think we all do. So go check it out if you haven't done it yet. Ajay? Uh, it was just great. It's a disappointment that's come to an end. I mean, the, the producer, uh, the director, sorry, he even said that there's even enough footage for even uh, another another one or two episodes. I'm, I'm just ashamed that he can't do another one. Um, yeah, it's just a sad ending because there was so much... Uh, anticipation uh, with each episode that comes uh, and there were so much stories uh, to be said um, I'm sure there should be another one because that what we saw is probably just probably not even half I'm sure there was a lot more footage and a lot more um, stories that can come out uh, not just with the Bulls but like with Jordan in general and they should do they actually should actually do what where, where are they now with those players uh, we don't know where Jordan is. We don't need to know. We don't, there's no mystery there. We know what he's doing, but it should be like, where are they now with the with the Bulls players? To be honest, T. Yeah, if they go back into um, the archives, because they have so much, um, so much video. They have so much video, and that that they're pretty much uh, useless now. Like unless they use it again for for something that, like you said, where are they now? But yeah, I guess it had to come to an end. Um, hopefully, um, Netflix, uh, ESPN, and Jordan um, will, will say we've got good results. Let's let's see what what else we can do with this footage. 
and it will be awesome if they, if they can release this, you know, in, in in the coming weeks or months, whatever it is, just to keep us going until the NBA season. Hopefully, yeah, it would be great. Yeah, or else it would just be wasted, right? So, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it's up to the great one. It's up to MJ to to, to what he wants. True. Feel of approval required. <laughs> yeah. Uh, guys, we'll, we'll wrap up then. Hey guys, so yeah, so I'd like to thank uh, the the panel for for being committed for the last six, five weeks, just being uh, available and and doing this podcast. Um, yeah, to, it, it takes a lot of time, our personal time, and yeah. So if you can hit on subscribe or to follow us, give us some feedback. Um, what, what topics you like us to to cover? Uh, old games, old incidents. Whatever it is, um, just hit us up in the comments um, in, below YouTube or our podcast on Spotify and Apple Apple pod, Podcasts. So, till next time, uh, we got a couple of videos coming up. We're thinking about doing some things with shoes, uh, reviews of shoes, um, and also reviewing other documentaries out there. So, click on a like, share, subscribe. Uh, I'll see you in the next one. Later, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks, T. This is. Peace.